Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them. Just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. In this week's market update, the floodgates open on earnings season, a big week for interest rate announcements and the UK starts to play catch up. The problem with a market rally based on high expectations is that there's always considerable scope for disappointment if too much good news is baked in. Last week, we saw the market wobble on the back of a couple of high-profile results announcements that didn't quite cut the mustard. The tech-heavy Nasdaq index fell more than 2% on Thursday, and the S&P 500 was off 0.7% as Tesla and Netflix disappointed expectations. Tesla was off nearly 10%, its biggest one-day drop since January, after it announced slimmer profit margins after cutting prices to boost sales. Then Netflix lost more than 8% after missing sales estimates and posting lower-than-expected guidance for the current quarter. Tech companies are particularly in focus this earnings season as they have single-handedly carried the market higher in the face of still-rising interest rates and growing recession fears. A lot of that has been on the back of still unproven AI hopes. During results season, it's the reality of sales, earnings and margins that's mattered more. When a market is fueled by a very narrow subset of companies, as this one has been, then it's particularly vulnerable to a setback. When the secondary hope is that interest rates are close to peaking and there's evidence that the jobs market remains hot, then the pressure is even more intense. Last week, US jobless claims fell below expectations. This week, the tech sector is once again in focus, with a string of well-known names announcing their quarterly results. Meta, Amazon, Alphabet and Microsoft are all in the frame. They are part of a torrent of earnings reports as the second quarter season gets into its stride. Three months ago, this point in earnings season marked the moment when analysts realised that their pessimistic forecast of an 8-9% to decline in earnings was too gloomy. The first quarter season ended up with a much more modest 3% decline, and a repeat of that would provide the market with continued impetus this quarter. The key question for the markets, whether the rate hikes so far will lead to a recession later this year or early next, remains unresolved. The history books suggest that a big economic slowdown is a foregone conclusion, The yield curve, always a predictor of recession, albeit with a very variable time lag, is more inverted than at any point since the big early 1980s recession. An inverted yield curve in which short maturity bonds yield more than longer dated ones is seen as an indicator that interest rates today are too high and are likely to produce an economic slowdown in the future. Trouble is, no two cycles are the same. Peak interest rates can precede a recession by as much as 19 months in 1970 or as little as two months in 1974. Ahead of the early 1990s recession, it was 16 months. After the bursting of the tech bubble, just three. What's happened this time around is that recession fears have morphed right back again into a Goldilocks soft landing scenario in which the economy slows but does not actually go into reverse. That's because the economy remains strong with a vigorous jobs market, but inflation is coming down fast. 
The most recent reading in the US was just 3%, only a percentage point higher than the Fed's target. So, why is the economy holding up better than expected in the face of an interest rate cycle that hasn't finished yet and is likely to deliver one more quarter point hike this week? A few reasons. The most important is that many US consumers locked in low long-term mortgage rates during the cheap money era after the pandemic, and so they're not really hit by rising rates. That's also true for corporate borrowers. Finally, the banks are continuing to fund themselves almost for free because they've not passed on the rate hikes of the last 18 months or so to savers. They're still willing and able, therefore, to keep fueling the economy with loans. All of this is feeding through into more robust corporate earnings than forecast, and it means that the market rally, which was dependent on a handful of growth stocks, has now started to widen out to a broader set of shares. The question then is whether this is fairly reflected in current prices, which have seen the average valuation multiple rise from about 15 times to 20 over the last year. At that level, a lot of the good news has been fully priced in. That at least is the story in the all-important US market. Elsewhere, and in particular in the UK, it's been a different scenario. The UK has been a notable underperformer so far this year having just about managed to stay in positive territory last year, beating most other markets, it's lagged so far in 2023, with a 2% rise comparing unfavourably with Nasdaq's 35%, the S&P 500's 18% advance, and even nearly 10% in Europe. Well, that was the story until the past couple of weeks, when investors started to think that all the bad news about the UK economy, high and persistent inflation, poor productivity, a weak housing market was now more than factored in. A bigger than expected drop in inflation from 8.7% to 7.9% was the catalyst for a big rally in shares. The all-share index rose 3.1% last week, its best since a 3.3% rise in the first week of the year. The big winners, unsurprisingly, were property groups and house builders, which stand to gain the most from a lower-than-expected trajectory for interest rates. If the peak for interest rates is sooner than expected and maybe lower, and if that marks a turning point for UK shares, then the very low valuation starting point should magnify the catch-up with other markets like the US. British companies are 20-30% to 30% cheaper than elsewhere, but they're not 20-30% to 30% worse businesses and their outlook is not 20-30% to 30% worse. Not that the valuation advantage is yet feeding through into better inflows. UK shares have not had one week this year in which more money has flowed in than out. Sentiment remains firmly against the UK. It's not just about the US this week when it comes to interest rates. Also in focus are the ECB and Japan. In Europe, the central bank is, like the Fed, expected to raise rates by a quarter percentage point. Although inflation is not as big a problem across the channel as it is here, it remains well above target and the ECB's work is not yet done, despite an economic slowdown in key markets like Germany. Meanwhile, in Japan, things are different again. Here, inflation is finally picking up after years of the opposite scourge, deflation. In fact, for the first time in years, the Japanese inflation rate is now higher than that in the US at 3.3%. That will put pressure on the Bank of Japan to finally unwind its years of ultra-loose monetary policy. Japan remains the world's only central bank with negative interest rates. Were Japan to join the rest of the world in positive territory, 
that could have significant implications for global financial markets. Japan has massive amounts of capital chasing higher yields elsewhere in the world. And were that to return home, it could unsettle global markets. Finally, in other markets, energy stocks got a boost last week from a rise in the oil price, with the Brent contract now above $80 a barrel. The prospect of the US avoiding recession in what pundits are calling an immaculate disinflation is a key driver of the oil price. Please be aware the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information does not constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Investors should also note that the views expressed may longer be current and may have already been acted upon. Reference to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Fidelity Personal Investing does not give personal recommendations. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. It is meant for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. Issued by Financial Administration Services Limited, authorised and regulated in the UK by the Financial Conduct Authority. Fidelity, Fidelity International, the Fidelity International logo and F symbol are trademarks of FIL Limited.